Front and Nationwide is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know Blue Jackets tickets tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. This isn't just for Blue Jackets tickets, though. Browns, Bengals, Reds, Indians, Crew, you name it, any Major League sport, any Major League team, GameTime is your app for last-minute, highly discounted tickets. Head to the App Store or Play Store now to download GameTime and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Blue Jackets podcast from The Athletic. I always call it the dedicated podcast. It is dedicated. I just kind of blew the entry there. But Allison, uh, it's been a uh, rough 48 hours here for the Mighty Blue Jackets. Aaron Ports, I'm with you here in Montreal. Allison Lucan is here. In Columbus, hello. In Columbus, yeah. Um, Blue Jackets tonight in Bell Center. That's always an event. Any game in Bell Center is a is a event. If you ever get a chance to see a game here, I strongly encourage it. Um, the Blue Jackets, boy, they are. Huh, the road trip starts with a kind of a scrappy win in Arizona. I think they made a ton of mistakes and could have played a lot better, but they won. They got some some bouncy goals in their favor. Colorado kind of reverted back to form. Tons of shots, not a lot of goals. Uh, but there were two other incidents in that game that have really uh, turned the Blue Jackets' world up on its ear, I should say, um, in these last 48 hours. Eunice Corposalo, uh, October 25th in in uh, Philadelphia, lost his mind after a goal, bashed his stick on the crossbar. Um, John Tortorella said to him, after Corposalo walked to the back of the plane and apologized to his teammates, uh, Tortorella brought, pulled him aside and said, and gave it, gave it to him pretty good. Um, can't have that on the ice, the message it sends. We can get into the, the correctness or incorrectness of, of, of that message in a bit. Said it won't happen again. Well, it happened again. Um, Corpusella lost his mind after the second goal by the Avs, again after the fourth goal by the Avs, and took his frustrations out on the puck and on the crossbar. Um, and he, as a result, has been uh, benched tonight. He was to start in Montreal. He has been benched in favor of Elvis Merzlikens, who was called up prematurely from minor league Cleveland. Uh, so a big move there. John Tortorella wouldn't talk at length about it yesterday. We'll try him again today. Uh, but basically acknowledged only that, yes, this is, is a direct result of Corpusalo's actions on the ice. In that game in Colorado, Nick Foligno uh, went for an open ice hit late in the second period on Colorado's Pierre-Edouard Belmar. Missed a little bit, uh, clipped him going by, his elbow extended, got him in the head as he as they crossed. Uh, it looks like Belmar is going to be okay, though he is concussed. Um, 
Nick Foligno is out of the lineup now for three games, suspended by the NHL yesterday. And so the Blue Jackets will play tonight and their next two games without their captain. So the goalie has been benched. The captain has been suspended. This Blue Jackets season is off to a rough start now. After a promising first 10 games or so, this has really taken a sour turn. Um, Allison, the mood of this team, the mood surrounding this team as they enter uh, a game tonight against Montreal. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, we keep talking about their starts, and this is going to be one to watch for sure, in my opinion. Um, historically, I would say, and, and, and maybe we'll see this, hopefully we'll see this, uh, that this is a group that kind of comes together over some added adversity and challenges to, to be a real force in this game, particularly with Nick out. That's something that they couldn't control. That's something that they can react to. Um, but, you know, their starts have been a struggle, and they haven't started well when I would have expected them to. So th that's going to tell me a lot um, in terms of what how they perform. And it, I think it's interesting, you know, it, it became clear that the organization had a plan for Elvis. I was able to watch him play Friday um, in Cleveland. I was not there, but I was, I was able to watch the stream. And then when he didn't start Saturday, I figured, well, of course, the plan is to have him start Tuesday. Well, he is still starting Tuesday, <laughs> but yes, um, right. but a different place. And I wonder, too, if if they had known this plan, might they have given him the Saturday right. start in Cleveland as well? So it's it kind of jankies up his, his process as well. But interestingly, he will now play uh, two games against the same team regardless, um, just at different levels. It was the Montreal AHL affiliate that was in Cleveland this weekend. And, and now he travels to Montreal to play the big club. Yeah, good points both. Um, this this is interesting because, I mean, for me, it, it's in hard, it, for John Tortorella to tell a goalie to keep his emotions in check, to, to tell any player to keep his emotions in check, is always a curious thing because Tortorella, of course, has a long history himself of losing it. And, and, and there are several fans who are like, what is the big deal? Deal. I love the fact that Eunice Corposalo uh, blows a gasket. It shows he cares. And frankly, when some people watch this team play and lose, they're not always sure if they care. I think, and we've talked about this before, I think it's it's become harder in this non-physical NHL. Maybe sometimes it was, it was a false read or fake uh, passion to begin with, but sometimes it's not as easy to, to see that the team cares and that's not just Columbus that's all over the place um, because people take their losses very gentlemanly now where they didn't used to in the NHL but you can't it, having a goalie lose his noodle like that especially with with regularity over goals like he has lost his cool over that's the receiver looking back at the quarterback and putting his arms up like what the hell kind of pass is that that right. doesn't go over well that's the pitcher looking at the shortstop after he muffs the ground ball and staring him down. We know pitchers who have done that in the past, and some of them are really good pitchers, but that really pisses off the team, and it pisses off the coach and the manager. It, it is seen, whether that's what Corposalo means or not, whether he is, whether he is saying to Gustav Nyquist on that, the power play goal by Kel McCarr, uh, which was the first blow-up Saturday, damn it, Gus, don't blow your coverage. He may not be saying that. He may just be saying, damn it, I thought I could have had that puck. Right. But that's not what it looks like. And when Seth Jones skates from up from behind, puts his stick on a Nazem Kadri shot, 
and redirects it, and the glove flutters over Corpusalo's, or the, sorry, the puck flutters over his glove. He may just be pissed off that the bad luck continued and another weird bounce goal goes in. Or he could be pissed off at Seth Jones for just let me see the shot. Right. You don't know. And and I'm some of those guys in the room absolutely love Eunice Corpusalo. They love him. They love playing for him. You could tell that early in the season by by the way they dug in for him in front of him. Um, but they're going to get tired of that if they're not tired of it already because it does come across that way. Am I right, Allison? Yeah, I think so. And I think there's a couple points, and, and I appreciate for sure, you know, what some of the reaction has been about. It's not a big deal. You know, this is what what it is. We love it. But I think there's a couple things, and you've had this in your article, and that, but just to highlight them, you know, first we've written about this that. Corpy has a history of showing perhaps too much emotion. Um, so, you know, this is, this is part of development for anybody. You, if you have had a problem in the past, you don't want that problem to continue. Um, and, and then from, I mean, any of us at our jobs, if your boss says, do not do that again, or there will be repercussions, he did it again, there were going to be repercussions. If John yes. Tortorella does not do what he said, then he loses accountability in that room and for something perhaps more significant in the future. So totally. Cor- Corpy put him in the situation a little bit in that sense. And, and I think what also is important, and um, you had this in, in your story, but I just want to highlight it. This is part of why it's so valuable to, to be able to travel with the team to the games is that what we saw on the broadcast wasn't necessarily the entirety of the reaction. And I understand that, of course, particularly the Blue Jackets broadcast isn't going to highlight a goaltender getting really frustrated, which should also tell you something right. about how it's perceived. But but you described kind of more that happened than what we saw on the camera. It wasn't just a second of, of you know, just, uh. I mean, we've seen guys, you know, kind of look to the heavens when they miss something or when they miss a shot. It wasn't this small reaction right. jumping right back into play. There was a noticeable reaction, and yes. as much as fans of the Blue Jackets might like to see that passion, and again, I understand that. Think about the reaction that you have when you see the opponents react like that. It, it's we've talked about this. It's aha, we got them. We're under their skin. Yeah. They're flustered, and so that's important too. I think the coaches have to think about that, and that's how we get where we are. Yeah, and I, I mean, I always think it's weird when and when media people go this way and and I'm not going that way, I'm not saying whether it's right or whether it's wrong. I'm saying this is what the blue jackets have said. This is the red line that's been drawn by Tortorella. And these are the issues that they have pointed. I love to see the passion. Um, I, I understand how it's taken in, in certain ways. I understand why a team thinks a goalie can't do it. But I also don't want to talk a guy out of of being his true, passionate self. But from talking to people who know the position well, yeah, Patrick Wall used to blow his cool. That was Patrick Wall. There are other guys that have bashed their sticks. We saw it earlier this year. I think it was Markstrom in, in Vancouver um, on a 3-on-0 when, you know, what are you supposed to stop a 3-on-0? Right. And he gets up the goal and gets up and destroys it. So he's not mad at himself in that instance. You can't imagine. He's mad at the team around him, and uh, Jakob Markstrom's had some stuff going on in his his uh, personal life that you could see it having an effect on on him as well. Um, so, you know, the the I think it, the outward shows of passion can be good. 
but the Blue Jackets and many, many other people in the goaltending profession think that it is a, it's a sign of weakness. Mm. It's a sign of immaturity. It is detrimental to the club when your goaltender acts that way. And as, as tough as this sounds, Corpusalo has played really, really well at times. He has an 895 save percentage on top of the two outbursts now where I think you, you start to say maybe being a number one goaltender is too rich for him right now. He didn't have these outbursts when he was Bob's backup. We didn't see any of this stuff. It's in his career, certainly. He did it back in Finland. We didn't see any of this stuff when he was serving as Bobrovsky's backup. Right. Maybe this is, is a little too rich for him, as some have, have guessed or surmised heading into the season, uh, the Blue Jackets without Bob. Um, where do you, does, does that have any correlation in your mind, Allison? Is this too much for him? You know, I, I, I don't know if I, if I think that yet. I think, though, that the, my spin on that, I think it's a valuable point in that, you know, I mentioned, you know, if, you're, if your boss tells you to do something, you have to do it. When your boss is, is, in, is telling you to do something, in theory, it's because it's what you need to do to be better. And you're right, Corpusalo has never been a number one goaltender, so he is facing new pressures, a different workload. And I, of course it would make sense that he would be more emotionally geared up for that, I think. I mean, that would make sense to me. Of course. But the point is, if you are going to assume this role that you haven't had the opportunity to do before that you have wanted, here's what that entails. You're taking on this bigger role, you're feeling new different, new and different things, you're... you're having different behaviors here's what you can do here's what you can't do again it, it, he's been around the league for a long time but this is still a big step in his development and he's got to learn how to handle it the right way and this and i think too you know that <laughs> torts doesn't always like when we bring this up now but you know the team has said they want to basically lighten the load for these goaltenders and there has been so much focus on the defensive play and so much focus on helping these two goaltenders get acclimated. I don't wonder if part of this also is the last thing we need to do is bring even more emphasis to this part of the game that we've already been talking about so much and focusing on so much. We don't need to highlight and red underline (laughs) the areas that we were trying to protect in the first place. Yeah, no, it's all it's all there. It just creates so many questions at that position that they they have enough there already. Right, right. You know, and that's that's the thing. At that job is it, maybe it's not quite as visible as like an NFL quarterback, but part of your job is to be this the uh, CEO. Right. You you are the guy that sets the the tone for how this team carries itself. You're the backbone on a lot of nights. And if, if you show too much weakness like that, it can really be detrimental. Um, the, the other, we move on now to Felino, certainly not a dirty player, physical player, guy who's been, um, you know, a, a, always in the mix with the Blue Jackets and their physical play, but I don't think anyone would say he's a dirty player. Never been suspended, only once previously fined by the NHL. Um, his hit... Late, uh, late in the second period against uh, Colorado, I, I, yes, it is. It's a definitely a major. I think it's suspendable. I thought it was going to be one or two games. I didn't think it was going to be three, um, but I, I don't have a huge problem with it. I, if I can just go through the hit, I think Felino thought he had Belmare lined up, and when it became clear that he didn't have him lined up, and I think this is a natural. 
a natural response to missing, to whiffing. You don't want to whiff. And so knees come out, elbows come out, right. arms come out to get some part of the body. And I do I think Felino intentionally hit Belmar in the head? I do not. Uh, do I think he intentionally put his arm out to get a piece of him rather than whiff? I do. Um, and so when you do that, that's there's a huge risk there. It, it doesn't look good. The clip to the side of the head, that is, that's a really dangerous way for the head to, to snap. The sort of unsuspecting left-to-right whiplash uh, can be really, really devastating for a player. Uh, so he gets three games. Um, again, I, was, I would have been okay with one, two. I'm kind of okay with three. Uh, but I think that's on the high end of what it should have been. Your response, Allison, to the punishment and, and how just is three games. Yeah, I, I agree that I, I was thinking two. Um, three is more than I expected, but I'm not irate about it. Um, people aren't probably going to like this, but, you know, it, I think it's important to understand the why behind the decision. And I watched the NHL player safety explanation, and it, it's exactly what you said. And you see Felino kind of off the mark. His angle is bad for the hit he thought he was going to make. And so he, he goes to make himself bigger to get the hit and ends up catching Belmar in a bad spot. And what's, what's yeah. worse about it is that not only does he hit Belmar's head up high and cause a little bit of a ricochet up there, when Belmar goes down, then there's a nasty hit when his head goes yeah. off the ice. Um, and... I agree. This is this is not a player who does stuff like this. This was I don't think Felino had the intention <clears throat> to cause harm. He certainly didn't have the intention to get punished or be suspended. But, you know, I'm someone who has always been vocal about the longer-term implications of hits like this, and it is imperative that we understand the risk that Belmar was put into by this hit. And, you know, it's funny we always talk about, "Oh, this is terrible, the suspension, the suspension." We also need to be talking about Belmar and say, is he going to be okay? It sounds like he is, but understanding the implications of a hit like that. And if the league doesn't want that kind of behavior, they have to take steps like this. And I know people are upset about it, but listen, if you run a red light, you're going to get a ticket, even if you didn't mean to. Um, This is the consequence. And I would much rather have a league full of healthy players 20 and 30 years after their career um, then be arguing about two or three games for Nick Foligno. Yeah. And, and of, of course, when, when a suspension is levied, there's the immediate comparison. Well, if oh, so-and-so yeah. got this, then how did so-and-so get this? And I get all of that. The quick one in Blue Jackets land was how does Milan Lucic get two games right. for punching a rookie in the face, Cole Sherwood, and Foligno, and, and he's a repeat offender. Right. Uh, he almost skates with a with a, a monitor around his ankle the way the NH, the way the NHL has, has kept its eye on him um, and Felino gets more games for an unintentional hit um, on a on a veteran player well first of all I don't think you take into account this is a rookie mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. I also think the league would look at the situation and I don't think Sherwood slashed the goalie, as was alleged or, or was penalized in that game. But when you're in tight on the goalie, the puck's there, and you jab at the puck, you know something's coming. Right, for sure. Right? Totally. So so we're in a situation where conflict is predictable. Totally. 
And so does, does he get punched in the face? Yes, clearly. A big, bad punch, not a shove. If, if Luchich shoves him up against the glass in a scrum form, so there's no penalty. So he punches him hard in the face. He should have gotten two games. I, I can argue he should have gotten more because this is, uh, and the league acknowledged, a multiple-time offender for essentially the same thing, punching guys that are unsuspecting uh, that there is a situation. So, but that, that to me is a little bit different. That, that, these are playground rules perhaps I'm making, but, but th- that is a confrontation that everybody kind of knows is coming. That was taken too far by yeah. one player. Yeah. And this one is a, whoa, out of nowhere, dangerous hit. Unintentional, but still a dangerous hit. Yeah. And I do think it, it's, it's different. And the left-to-right snap of the head, I think that's what Crosby suffered when mm-hmm. his concussion was so awful from Dave Steckel when it didn't look to be even that big of a deal. Right. Um, and it was. So any any thoughts there, Allison? No, I, I think I think that's absolutely right. I mean, you tweeted about this yesterday, and I don't know if all fans have been around long enough to remember. I mean, if you want to talk egregious, we can go back to the Wisniewski suspension <laughs> for that eight was games. Absurd. <laughs> right. But right. um Aaron, did I tell you last night I was working on an article for this week and it was like late at night. I got so hungry. So do you know what I did? I ended up using DoorDash. Have you heard of DoorDash? I have. It is a wonderful app. You can go online. You can find local restaurants. You can order online. They bring it right to you. And not only are my favorite restaurants already on DoorDash, there are over 340,000 restaurants in 3,300 cities. So you or any of our listeners might find a new favorite too. With door-to-door delivery in all 50 states and Canada, you can order from your local go-tos or eat at whatever is best for you. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code FRONT, as in front and nationwide, FRONT, F-R-O-N-T. That's $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter promo code front don't forget promo code front for five dollars off your first order from doordash your last point is so important though and and again i know this is one of my soapboxes but if you read up on brain health and and the science of concussions it doesn't have to look bad to be catastrophic um and i think that's really really important here and if you look at what repeated brain injury can do to humans forget hockey players just to humans it it's it's horrifying and it you know if, if that's what they saw in that hit like i said when he went down it looked terrible and when he hit the ice again it looked even worse um you have to do what you can to say behavior that could cause this and it is fair to say if you hit someone up high if you think about you know where their center of gravity is in stride a, there's going to be a chance they fall like that 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 can't happen um yeah and he didn't see it coming. He was carrying the puck. He had just gotten rid of the puck, and poof, there's Felino, um, as opposed to the Sherwood example, like you said. And and again, I get people's frustration. I understand, but we are here. It's not like Nick Felino got three times as many games as Milan Lucic or something like that. This is where we are. Get through the next three games and just don't do it again. Yeah, and I think Felino helped himself. Uh, frankly, after the game. So when the hit first occurs, he sort of puts his arms up like, oh, for, for the love of God. Sure. Like, really? Sure. This guy's trying to draw and make it seem like it was that bad. And then he says he looks up and he sees the replay and his, his heart sank. 
and the dressing room opens up after the game. I think they have five minutes. They, I think they took all five of their minutes, which they're certainly right to do. But when the door opens up, we walk in, and Nick Felino is sitting in his locker. Um, as a veteran captain leader should, he knows it's coming. Yep. Let's go. Let's, yep. And he wanted to go first. Let's talk. And he was as contrite, as apologetic, as sincere as I've, I think, ever heard anybody in that situation. There was no equivocating. There was no, yeah, well, they were doing stuff to us all game. Or I don't think it was that bad. I, I didn't leave my feet. Um, I didn't touch his head or that stuff where you're like, well, you did. Right. Yes, I see it here. Um, it was none of, no bullshit. It was straightforward. Um, my biggest concern is how is his health, not my suspension. Right. And you go, wow, you know, that that's a place that very few guys uh, so plainly go. So yeah. good for him. And he may have talked himself out of a fourth or a fifth game. Who knows? Right. Um, just by by doing that, he told me that he texted uh, with Belmare uh, later that night, and I can't imagine with the that a guy who's recently concussed. I, I can't imagine the training staff's too excited about him being on a cell phone. <laughs> um, but the, here we are. Yeah. Um, anyway, so Felino will be out of the lineup tonight in Montreal. He'll be out of the lineup back home Friday in Columbus, and then again. Um, next Tuesday in Columbus against Montreal as well. So, yeah, three games of the captain. The Blue Jackets on what was yesterday Monday recalled Eric Robinson. Uh, I would assume Riley Nash goes back into the lineup, giving them another centerman. I'm not sure what they do on the wing. Uh, I'm not sure if, if Robinson goes in. I, I can't imagine they would have called him up and had him miss tonight's uh, Cleveland game if he weren't going to play. Uh, but but they're all still here and present. So uh, the lineup will have a different look again tonight. What does Allison not having Nick Foligno in this lineup? Now, he hasn't scored in 14 games. It's been a struggle for him offensively as it has for other guys. What what does uh, this lineup look like without Foligno, and how much do they miss Nick Foligno for these next few games? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, I mean, first and foremost, the team has to find a way to get through it without him, of course. But it's, it's yeah. funny, when I was going back over these past few games, Nick Foligno has two assists in the last three games. So while he doesn't have goals, he is helping create some stuff. He obviously has the veteran presence. Um, he's obviously one of the, the leadership voices in the room, and, and he's versatile in that he can take those face-offs, he can play on the wing. So I think those are some of the things they're missing, but it was, it was funny. I was talking to someone else about, you know, does it hurt the, the leadership group to not have him there? And, and we can think back, well, well, Nick is certainly a key part of that for this group. This is also a leadership group that had to deal with some pretty big stuff when Nick was away with his family last year. So yeah. they have some experience getting through this. Um, they're just they're just going to have to find guys who can take up those minutes and, and and now here we are again even more ask of every player to pick it up offensively because Felino is a guy who was getting them in scoring situations. Yeah, he's also a veteran player on a really really young team. Yes, yes, a very green team. He's also a guy that takes faceoffs in certain situations if other guys aren't going uh, that night. He's also the guy that leads them physically most nights, especially. The way Josh Anderson has played of late, mm -hmm. um, you know, so he, that's the, uh, yeah, he hasn't scored in 14 games, but he continues to, 
to contribute in other ways. Um, Allison, you you see the underlying numbers. You see the you can take the temperature of this club and and tell us why it doesn't look like it's feeling well on the surface. What's <laughs> yeah. going on with these guys? Is it anything new with the or was Colorado just like? Uh, game entry number 35 and in the Blue Jackets getting lots of shots and plenty of scoring chances but not a lot of goals yeah I mean it, and that's you know we've we've talked about this a ton of times that's where these guys have to fight against their frustration because if you look if you look at the numbers and I wrote about this this past weekend just as numbers and we can't of course look at that in absence of how they're playing but just as numbers the team is limiting quality of shots against they're getting shots, they're getting some shot quality, and for a while there, they were actually expanding that margin, meaning they were getting more quality than they were giving up, which is what you're supposed to do. That is supposed to be the recipe for winning games. But they cannot finish. That shooting percentage is just in the basement. And the, you know, the other thing I highlighted in there, too, is, is the transition game. This team is without Artemi Panarin, who was one of their big breakout guys. And then the guys who they have routinely counted on, in addition to him, Seth Jones, Zach Wierenski, players like that, they're still getting the puck out of the zone, out of the defensive zone, but they're not doing it as much, right? So they're still leading the team, but the, but the overall rate per game is down, which means they're not getting it out of the zone as much. Um, so they're stuck back there, and we've seen that. So even if you are playing well defensively, if you get stuck back there, you're going to get tired, you're going to give up more chances, and there's going to be goals against they really have to fight through the shooting percentage. I, I think you could hear it in Zach Wierenski's voice after the Colorado game when he was just like, they, they just have to start falling sometime. Like it, yeah. it defies explanation, some of these. And that's, I was really hopeful they would get a bump from that game in Arizona because none of those goals were skillful, <laughs> amazing goals. Right. And, and just to see the confidence of seeing that puck get in the net three times in very wonky ways. Um, but they, they do just have to push through it. You keep saying this. Cam Atkinson is not is, is on a 15-goal pace. That, that's not what's going to happen. It just would defy every sort of math and logic principle in the world. Um, yeah. So they've, they've just got to keep pushing through, and they've got to work on that transition game and better control of the puck when they're trying to move into the offensive zone because they need those chances to count, so they need to get there as much as they can. Yeah, they're, they're the lowest shooting percentage team in the league. Yeah, it's crazy. 7, 7%. And quite a ways below. It's strange that at that level, there's so many shots that the difference between 9.6 or whatever the league average is and what they're shooting is something like 16 goals. It's insane. I mean, think about that. And, and, and that's the difference, right? I mean, if you look, you look where they're at in the standings and you go, oh, my God, some of these teams, the Capitals have scored almost twice as many goals. Right. Like, they're, they're so far behind. that they're, they're, It's really amazing that, that they've got – six wins and 15 points or whatever it is. Um, but then on the flip side, you look just beneath beneath them, and they're the New Jersey Devils. Yep. Um, and it, it's possible if the Blue Jackets don't get something out of this game tonight, they could be in last place in the Metro when they return home to play on Friday. And I, I wrote a, a, I guess you'd call it an essay, uh, yesterday just sort of encapsulating the Corpusalo move and the Felino suspension and noting that the, the tough reality here is that all of the stuff that the Blue Jackets bristled at so much in the preseason, the, the doubts about them being able to stop the puck, them saying, come on, Corpusalo 
is a much better goalie than people realize. He just hasn't shown it yet. Sergei Bobrovsky hadn't shown it in 12-13 when he came here. And now look how people view him. Um, people wondering if how, the, how in the world this team would score enough goals. And the response was, well, you're taking for granted uh, Cam Atkinson. You're taking for granted Nick Foligno's offensive ability. Uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, who's been fine. Nyquist, who's been fine. Uh, you're not count- counting Seth Jones and, and Zach Wierenski. There's plenty of players here. There's plenty of offense. Well, the unfortunate thing is with one-fifth of the season in the books, all of those skeptics, those pundits, some would say realists, have been right. Mm-hmm. That's what this club looks like. They're giving up one more goal per game than they're scoring, more than one goal per game than they're scoring. That is that is a recipe. That number there is a recipe for a lottery pick. Yep. That if you're a minus one per game, and again, there's a lot of ways where this can get better. Um, Corpusalo can play better. Merzlikens can play better for sure. This team is certainly, you assume, is going to wake up offensively. But they're starting to get into the point of the season where numbers are will be difficult to turn around. Yep. And if they continue at this pace, um, I mean, certainly they can't continue at this pace of minus one unless they're going to be a team that's going to have a top five pick next year. Right. That's just kind of the reality of it. Right. And then what... What stinks about it is that, and listen, it's not like if they fix their shooting percentage, everything's perfect. But what stinks about it is that there is certainly a bit of luck involved here. And Tom talked about this on the Friday episode. There is a bit of luck involved right now, and the Jackets are just getting none of it. And there's nothing worse than it coming back too late, <laughs> right? And right. that's right. and then, then you're in the situation of, well, there, you know, if this becomes a situation of looking for lottery picks you don't want to screw that up either <laughs> so um and i think that's just hard on on, right. on a team right so um it, yeah it's they they can push and everyone will bring up the st louis blues last year for sure but um they're what yeah, happened what happened in st louis was a really freaking good goaltender um and, and some other things that kind of fed into that with some depth and this isn't just a one-thing fix for this Blue Jackets team, in my opinion. They, but but the, what's frustrating, and someone commented this on, on one of your articles this weekend, like they're so close to good, it almost hurts to watch because we've seen them do it. We've seen them put the pieces together. Yeah. Um, it's just challenging them to do that consistently game in and game out and for a full game. Yeah. So they're 15 points behind the lead in the Metro already. They're six points behind a playoff spot. And to the earlier point, you can look at it and say, six points, big whoop, there's 65 games to go. Right. But that's a lot of points to be out of the playoffs spot after only 17. Yeah. So the turn the turnaround has to has to start happening here soon, or they're gonna they have to start at least keeping pace with that pack uh, and continue that for quite a ways before they make a move, uh, maybe for a strong finish, but um, it almost feels like this season needs to be saved already. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's reaching that point now. At least it does to me. Allison, anything else to add here? I think we've covered it all. Okay. Well, uh, thanks for listening. We'll uh, come at you live from the Bell Center tonight, and we'll see you back in Columbus on two Friday. I have no idea what day it is right now. <laughs> I'm just guessing. Uh, ever written down here? Today is Tuesday. Next to my computer. Um, so we'll see you back in Columbus on Friday, but first a, a Blue Jackets Canadians game tonight in Montreal. 
Thanks for reading. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you soon.